Welcome to the Full 60 featuring Craig Custance and presented by The Athletic. Each week, we'll dive into the biggest stories in hockey while bringing in unique voices to entertain and explain all aspects of the game. Hey, this is Craig and welcome to this week's episode of the Full 60. This week's guest is pos- quite possibly, I don't know a lot of other people who are WWE wrestling stars who dabble in fantasy hockey writing. Um, like our guest today, he, he is honestly one of a kind. Like that's, I mean, you hear that phrase thrown around. Like who else? Who else is doing this? Eric Young, who writes for the Athletic and is part of the team with Chris Meany that puts together the awesome fantasy podcast, fantasy hockey podcast, Four Stack Lines is our guest on the Full 60 this week. Eric is a veteran of the professional wrestling world, and you can catch him on Monday Night Raw on USA Network. And he was such a um, gracious guest because he indulged every question I had about wrestling and also how somebody in that world ended up being such a big hockey fan, so plugged into the hockey world. Like if you follow him on Twitter, and which I recommend you, you should. His Twitter handle is at the Eric Young. So much of what he tweets about is hockey related, and and you can just tell the passion he has for the sport. Not only the sport, whatever he's into. Like this is a guy that doesn't do anything halfway, and um, he's passionate about everything. You can you can hear it in his voice, hear it in the conversation. I, and I love people like that. So he's got a great story to tell um, from the hockey side, from his path in in going from a small town in Ontario and from Florence all the way to getting millions of viewers uh, every week on Monday nights. Just an incredible story, and I'm excited to be able to share it with you. So this week's guest from The Athletic and the WWE, naturally, Eric Young. Eric, so from just about the moment um, I discovered that we had a wrestling star writing fantasy hockey for us at The Athletic, I knew I had to have you on here. So I am so glad and thankful you were able to carve out some time. Thanks for doing this. No, absolutely, man. It's, uh, I mean, for real, it's an honor for me. I, I've listened to every single Full 60, um, read your books, like uh, – I can say like you're one of the reasons that I, I got my original subscription to the athletic and uh, Pierre LeBron. And I mean, there's a bunch of guys, but I mean, as, as far as hockey coverage, it was absolutely crushing it. So I, I was a subscriber very early on and continue to be a subscriber. And now I, I, I mean, I guess technically I work here too. So it's a, it's a very cool for me, man. It's, it's unbelievable. Not, no, not technically you work here. You, I do. Yeah, I do. Are, you're on the, you're, right. you're on the team. It's still kind of surreal, and I've said this on a couple other things that I've done. It's yeah. uh, I'm not a writer, you mean? Like I, I graduated high right. school and went to wrestling school, but uh, it's always something that I've wanted to try. And and it, it is fantasy hockey, but it is writing. Uh, and I lost my mom about a year and a half ago to cancer, and like if she could mm. see it, you know, like it would just make her so proud. And it's it's such a cool opportunity for me, something that's uh, you know a little bit out of my wheelhouse, but I, I've, I've been really enjoying it. So one of the things I was I always wonder with you is, and amongst the millions, is um, you're so generous in sharing our work with your on social media with your follower, which I follower base, which I assume is you know ninety nine percent you know wrestling fans. Do you get like are they like why do you why are you sharing some random hockey podcast 
you know, with Mike Gillis. Like, do you ever get blowback? People are like, what is, what's going on here? Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, you're on Twitter, right? So you get, yeah. I could wish everybody a happy day and they, I would <laughs> you're getting um, blowback no matter what. That's just, that's just part of the beast. You know, um, it is an amazing tool. It is an amazing invention. And I believe if you use it properly, uh, and I try to do that, um, it, it's, I mean, it connects you to people that you would never ever have a chance to meet and, yeah. and talk to. And, and I mean, it, it can be good if you're doing it right. And you're trying to ignore the other stuff, which is hard. You I mean, like I have, uh, I mean, humble brag, but I, I mean, over 600,000 total social media followers, which is insane from a short, short chubby kid from Florence, Ontario. Uh, yeah. but it's, and it grows every day, you know? And, uh, I mean, I, I would say probably 80 to 85% of my followers are wrestling based and that's, yeah. that's been my main job for over 15 years, but, uh, I had a fishing show. So I, I mean, I get pictures mm-hmm. of fish every day and I'm like, okay, cool. <laughs> and, uh, and now a bunch of people are know of my hockey obsession. And I mean, honestly, my favorite part of social media right now is, is having hockey discussions and being included in, in the, the circle of hockey is, is my favorite part of social media. Uh, it's it's hockey twitter is pretty great like i mean everybody there's a dark underbelly to all of it but i would say 80 percent of the time it's pretty great i I enjoy it's very good yeah it's very good and i mean and with wrestling fans they're just they're diehard you know i mean like they're just yeah yeah so amazingly loyal and like uh i believe um when i did a the, the fishing show for animal planet um it was a success because i was in wrestling and people whether they were fishing fans or not um they watched the show because i was on it and they love pro wrestling yeah. and they love the guys that they watch week in and week out and they're loyal i mean act to a to a fault they're deadly loyal they would have watched me do a show about quilting i i believe that um Luckily, it was fishing and it was cool. I did all this amazing <laughs> stuff, and it wasn't quilting. But yeah. I mean, it, you know, I mean, it, the pro wrestling is a, is a multimedia juggernaut, and it still right. doesn't get the respect uh, that it should get. And I know, like, I'm on the the inside guy saying, "Oh, you should respect what I do." But I mean, if you just step back and look at it from a wider lens, like what what they do week in and week out, professional wrestling companies, it's no one else is doing it, and never have. They're not touching it. It's a juggernaut. So this, I'm glad that's where you're you're going because this is where I really wanted to start because in in researching and so I'm gonna just like put it all out there like I'm not a wrestling fan so I had to like basically start from zero and say okay what's your backstory and try to learn as much as I can and one of the things that I learned is in is you know you you've been really successful and one of the quotes was is because you're you know how to get a crowd to eat out of the palm of your hand that's what someone said they're like yeah. you you know how to work a mic. And it, that is so counter to um, hockey culture, I would say, even Canadian culture. As a Canadian, I'm sure you could probably relate to that a little bit. And I feel like there's probably something for the hockey world and promotion to learn from what you do. Do you see any parallels in there? And, and like, where do you see maybe opportunity? Yeah, I mean, for me, it's, you know, like, uh, honestly, like, I, I love hockey. Like, I'm, I, I me and uh, Chris Meany on our show, like, we talk about it like yeah. I'm a psycho. I'm I'm complete psycho when it comes to this stuff. I just consume it like, like my wife, like I I, I flew from Salt Lake city. Uh, You know, I was up at three 30 in the morning and I landed and I did the podcast and I went to the gym and then I start watching hockey at six and she's like, you know, aren't you tired? And I was like, yeah, but you know, like Phoenix is playing Edmonton or, you know, Arizona is playing Edmonton. I got to watch the game, you know, I don't have any ties to anything that's going on there, but I just had to stay up and watch it. You know, Um, I watch 200 to 300 games a year. Uh, yeah well i mean technology has made my life uh i mean 
it made it it's made it more enjoyable in one way but i mean it's so easy to consume now it takes up so much of my time but it, i mean i just love it man i've loved it my whole life um the parallels of wrestling and and hockey unfortunately for me i think are unless you see it live you can't fully understand how cool it is and mm. if you're a wrestling fan and you understand and respect the art of what's going on the fact that you know when you see two guys in the ring it's live it's happening while you're watching it they're not stopping the cameras they're not doing retakes we haven't right. practiced it a hundred times. I did, you know, theater and community theater when I was in high school. And like, if you're in a play, you you practice it so many times that you could walk around blindfolded on a stage that has a full set of like a couch and a chair. You know where all that stuff is. Like you've done it right. so many times. You could literally walk around on stage with your eyes closed. Like if you're seeing me wrestle a guy, uh, you know, like I, I worked this past week and, and, uh, on Monday and I headbutted the ropes and I, I got five stitches in my face right now while I'm talking to you. So if I slur my lips, it's cause I, I got a, I got a bit of an injury on my upper lip, okay. but it's, it's happening in real time and you can't practice it. You can talk about it. You can say, okay, like this is what we're going to try. Then you're doing it. You're doing it. Not only are you doing it live in front of the, you know, 10, 12, 14,000 people that are there watching raw live, you're, you know, there's millions hundreds yeah. of millions of people around the world watching it all in real time. So it's, and the truth is, is TV doesn't do any justice. And it's the same as hockey is mm-hmm. unless you understand the intricacies of the game, TV watching the, you know, a, a predominantly white screen and watching these guys, if you've never done it, you can't possibly understand how difficult these things are that they're doing. And at the speed of light, you get somebody to go to a hockey game for the first time. And they're like, Oh my God, like it blows their mind. And it's, and it's right. very similar to wrestling. Like if you can get them to get in the building where now it's not a trick. And like when a guy hits a guy, they can hear it, you know, and it's mm. like, Oh, like now it's real. It's, it's real. And they can understand it better. So it, it's to me, it, both things, uh, it's just about getting people in the building and, uh, I will promote hockey until the day I die. Cause I love it. I am at like in, in, you're in Nashville and there's, uh, in terms of atmosphere and getting somebody to the building, like there's, it's, that's as good as anywhere. I imagine have, like, have you introduced people in the wrestling world and say, Hey, just come to, come with me to a game here in Nashville and let me know what you think. Yeah. Um, the unofficial mayor here in Nashville is Jeff Jarrett. He's a, you know, generational, his dad wrestled and promoted wrestling in the area. Uh, he yeah. was wrestling like in his teens, was a very good basketball player, played a, got a basketball scholarship, but eventually went back into the family business, like w- was one of the biggest stars in the world. Um, at one point, um, has lived here, uh, in Nashville his whole life and me and him became very close and he would make fun of me cause I would always be talking about hockey and how great it is. <laughs> right. Oh, it's stupid. And won't you, won't you punch each other and then go to the box for two minutes. And so I right. finally, I mean, he's a millionaire. He lives in a lake in this giant house and you know, I'm eating six cans of two of the day and drive around in my car that's falling apart i drove over and picked him up and i got two tickets i said you're going with me and we went to the game now he goes to more games than i do he fell in love with it it's just getting him in the building man and i i believe that like that should be the nhl's number one initiative is to not watch it i mean of course tv is is what drives the bus and the revenue generated from television is what drives the bus but if you want someone to become a fan you got to get them in the arena you you have to get them in the building it's it's an absolute must so I think one of the things, like your sport is so personality driven, and in that that you know hockey, there are personalities, but it's you know sometimes it's I mean you saw it with PK in Nashville, like it becomes a negative. People are like, oh, you know, PK is 
just too much self-promotion or whatever and and it runs against the the culture of the room or whatever you start to hearing i I think it i think having that attitude hurts progress right like i if you could sell stars the way that wrestling does like i need you in there coaching these guys like hey it's okay to self-promote a little bit yeah, I, I feel like there's, you know, like obviously wrestling is is like, you know, like the big thing, the big saying, like I know Steve Austin has said it before and, and you know, it's like he's Steve Austin, but when he's on TV, he's turned up to 11. Like, right. I, I I don't think that, you know, hockey players are never going to get there. And I do use a generational <laughs> right. thing where like you said, like from hockey, like they're just told to, you know, don't give them any, you know, uh, bulletin board material. And right. It's we, not I. And like there's ways to do it where you're interesting like i mean you've been around hockey a long time like you meet these guys and you're like you just want to be around them because they're awesome they're like when they're when you get them away from writing a story about them or or Mm -hmm. putting a camera in front of them they're they're just good people they're hilarious they've got like their own language you know like it's it's this whole other subculture inside of hockey that's hidden from the public and i don't think it should be like obviously like you know, like, look, at I, I, I was young and on the road, too, and, <laughs> you know, on television, and, and it, it can be a slippery slope. But, right, I mean, right, these right. guys could still be themselves, you know what I mean? And, and, but they're trained from, from birth, basically, to not be that person, you know? And uh, the trick is, is the NHL and teams and marketing people and people much smarter than me need to figure out how to balance the in-between. Um, because, I yeah. mean, the hockey players are awesome like i mean if you know any of them like if you ever get a chance to meet any of them people like man it's just like i just want to hang out with them i I think you know spin chicklets are doing a great job of of showing the world what hockey players can be you mean i think they're probably for mainstream media maybe a little too far one way uh but but like having guys that are retired and listening to their stories and and just how fun they are and funny they are and how cool they are to be around like it's contagious and like the more the, the, the nhl can get out that and and people can be connected to who these guys are the more f- the faster the fan base will grow have you gotten to know any of the guys in nashville players? yeah yeah like that's a great room yeah it's uh so i'm, I'm pretty pretty good friends with mike fisher we, we get together several yeah. times a year and, and and uh you know have dinner and have lunch and stuff and um the, the most memorable one is when he decided to go back uh, and come yeah. out of retirement and play. And I met up with him and he's like, man, I wasn't really skating. And then like, it just kind of like, I just felt like I, I wanted to do it so bad and I missed being in the room. And we went and had sushi and he ate like 80 pieces of sushi and was like training like a lunatic. <laughs> and like, I mean, it was, it was great. He was exhausted, you know, um, being a guy that's like, like I'm 40 years old. So like training for yeah. wrestling and I've never had an off season ever. You know, like I, I've been, I've been, I've been training and, and preparing to wrestle 60 minute matches for 16 years. You know I mean, like I haven't had a match over 12 minutes in probably two or three years, but I need to be ready because it could happen at any point. So him preparing was very interesting to, to have the discussion with him and going back after being out of the game. And like, we see Justin Williams doing that now, but yeah. there's all this stuff coming out. Like Justin Williams was, you know, s- skating on his own since like October, you know, like and training Mike. Mike wasn't doing any of that, but there's been a bunch of like Jordan Tutu uh, used oh, to hang out with a, him when he was great. a little wild. Uh, glad that he's he's uh, you know cleaned himself up and is a much better uh, in a much better place and got a beautiful mm-hmm. family. Um, doing a bunch of cool work with uh, you know like uh, addiction awareness and stuff like that. Uh, Joel Ward is one of like the nicest guys you'll ever meet. Yeah, ever, he's great. anywhere on the planet. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, Roman Yossi is a guy I've talked to a bunch and like, even like I, the last time I met him in person, I had this big giant beard and this crazy mohawk. And then I met him, um, just before the winter classic again, where where, uh, I was down in the, uh, in near the dressing room and he comes up and say, Hey man. And like hugs me and like, they're, they're just so personable, you know? And, and, and I'm sure there's players on every team like that. So it's, uh, it's cool being part of it. I, I I try to do, I do stuff for the team. I do like their charity bowling event and their charity golf, uh, event. I, I spoke at the prospects camp, uh, two or three years ago, I was the world heavyweight champion for TNA wrestling and Scott Nichols, the head of player development. And he had me down to like, speak to him is when they had just drafted Seth Jones. And like, I know who he is. Mm. And like, I'm in the room, like, Oh, work hard. And I'm like freaking out. Cause Seth Jones is looking at me. So it was, <laughs> it was a really cool thing for me. Um, and the team has taken very good care of me. And, uh, it, it's Nashville is a, just an unbelievable city. And if you've been here or anyone that's been here, like the secrets out, man, it's growing like crazy. Uh, yeah, were voted by ESPN, one of the best sports franchises. It's just, I mean, it's, it's great. It's, it's just a great franchise. And, uh, the players are the, are, are what make it. They're just such a personable, good dudes. It's cool to be part of that. So when, when, you know, a guy like Scott Nichols brings you in to talk to the kids after they're drafted, like what, what, what's the message or what do you, what, what are they hoping you, you convey to them? Yeah. I mean, he was saying like, I mean, like, look, it's like, you know, I'm from a little town in, in Canada. Like, yeah. I grew up in this place, Florence, Ontario, with population of like 70 people. Like the closest McDonald's is 45 minutes away. And, um, <laughs> and I'm telling people, wow. yeah, I'm going to be at work for the WWE, you know, and be on TV. And like, I mean, it's just such a, a far fetched thing. You I mean, like, I think if, if you had an analytics person kind of, you know, bust the numbers and, and figure out like I'm, five foot 11 you know at the time i'm mm-hmm. maybe 175 pounds and i live in a you know more people go to one of their shows you know there's more people sitting in the front row in the town that i grew up in so it's <laughs> it's a it's a very very unlikely scenario and uh, right. probably less than a five percent chance that i ever make it or, or 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 do it and part of that was what he wanted me to talk to him about it's like look like you know like you've worked so hard and like coming to this NHL camp, this is now the hard work begins. You know what I mean? Like it's right. You know, this is an opportunity of a lifetime and and work hard and drink it all in. And, and, you know, it, you're so close, but you're not done yet, you know? And that's what yeah. he had that's, me talk right. to him about. And, and it's, it's true. You know what I mean? It's, it's them making it there. Like, you know, a lot of guys could be like, Oh, I did it, you know, and let off the gas. Um, but that's the point where like, you're going to have to buckle down even more. Cause now everyone's good. You know, like uh, going from from AHL to NHL or OHL to NHL, it's it's a massive, massive gap. So it's uh, it was time for them to buckle in. But it was what an opportunity for me. I like rode my Harley down under where the part the players play, and they're all standing there. And like I've I've got the belt with me, so like I look pretty cool. I'm not cool at all. Like, <laughs> but at that point, I look pretty cool. <laughs> That's great. All right. Well, so. So just to give my uh, some like uh, a time and place for mentally where you mentioned Florence, where is it on the map? Like I'm, I'm going to need a yeah. city a little bit bigger to Chatham, Ontario. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so that's yeah. like, you know, like, I mean, you could literally from where I grew up, you could get in a car and be in downtown Detroit in an hour. So okay. it's a tiny little town off the 401, um, mm-hmm. uh, the Ridgetown Thamesville exit. I mean, if you've ever driven up the 401, you drive by that on the way to London and yeah, Kitchener, times, Cambridge. Yeah. And so, yeah, I grew up in a little town from there, um, you know, with an antenna in my yard and had 10 channels and got Detroit channels and would watch the Red Wings. And sometimes if the weather was good, I'd get global and be able to watch the Leafs. And uh, <laughs> it's a, a very, very <laughs> honest beginnings for sure. And uh, 
but I mean, man, my, I would put my childhood against anybody's. So you, you, considering you got the Red Wings feed, I, I, I think you said uh, Red Wings fans are the lowest form of hockey fans known to mankind. So you were not raised a Red Wings fan, I'm assuming. Then. No, yeah. And where I grew up, it's it's 50-50, I feel, is the split. Okay. So like, uh, yeah. you're obviously, I, I was closer to Detroit. Um, but I, I, for whatever whatever reason, I, I chose Maple Leafs. I, I like pain, apparently. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, clearly. I love, I love suffering. Um, yeah. If I was Red Wings fan, I would have had 25 playoffs in a row and Stanley Cups and the Russian Five, and it would have been a real yeah. run. Uh, not so much right now, but uh, it would have been a real good run uh, being a fan of the Detroit Red Wings. I mean, obviously, I respect everything they did. Uh, some unbelievable players that have they've gone through that franchise, but I, I was a Maple Leafs fan, still a Maple Leafs fan. Like I will, I will always be a Maple Leafs fan. Um, but Nashville is, is my home. This is where I live. I, I could live anywhere in the United States. Basically uh, I could live in Canada as well. Uh, and I choose mm-hmm. Nashville cause I love the city. So I'm a, I'm a Preds fan and adopted Preds fan, but that's uh, my first love in hockey now is the Nashville Predators, but I'll always be a Maple Leafs fan for forever. So how does a kid in Florence decide he wants to be a, a professional wrestler? I, I mean, I loved it my whole life. Like I can uh, remember being uh, five and my, my dad surprising me with tickets to WrestleMania, which was at the Silverdome. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I like the, the truth was, is like, I'm so young. That's a pretty legendary WrestleMania. Oh, I'm not even a wrestling guy. And I know that was a big one. One of the biggest ever, you know, and, and yeah. up until a couple of years ago was the biggest indoor sporting event in the world. It was in the Guinness Book of World Records, 103,000 people live watching it live in person Amazing. and uh at the time i didn't realize it was a big deal like i just knew we were going to watch wrestling and yeah. uh we went we were so high up i couldn't tell who anyone was so i'd have to like listen to what music was playing um right. but but i think that's being there is is what started it and it obviously growing up in a small little town like that like so far like i'm nobody like my, my dad is a construction worker and my mom was a teacher and then opened her own folk art business like i don't have any connections i i don't know anyone that's done it um you know i, I don't have a path in front of me you know i'm not a uh like a, a young minor league hockey player where like oh like eric lindros lived an hour away in london and this is what he did and this is where he right. played I, don't, I didn't have any of that to go off of so it was a lot of uh figuring it out and 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 uh, starting from nothing. So it's, it yeah. took me more than it took a, another person to get there. But yeah, I mean, just, I loved it my whole life, the characters and the larger than life, you know, just, uh, and the, the, the melding of two things that I love was, uh, you know, theatrics and, and acting and, and entertainment and athletics. Uh, I, mm-hmm. I, I played sports my whole life. I, I thought I was going to play in the NHL until about, until, you know, like probably ninth grade, maybe I, I played against a guy that had been drafted in the OHL. And like, I realized like I, I wasn't even a quarter as good as he was. And I sucked at <laughs> hockey. Right. So right. that was basically the end of the dream there. Uh, I played rugby in high school, uh, was a pretty good rugby player, was offered a, a partial scholarship to play for the university of Hamilton and mm-hmm. turned that down because I, I wanted to be a wrestler. And people said I was insane and they're right. But it, it, I mean, it all worked out. Um, it could have been terrible, but, but yeah, it's just like, I, I've wanted to do it my whole life. Like since I was five, basically. Yeah. And I'm very, very lucky to say like, that's what I've dreamt of doing and I'm doing it. I'm still doing it today. Um, so you mentioned drama in high school. So what, what did that look like for you? Was it like the school plays or like what was Yeah. That? Yeah. So I, even like in grade school, like I, you know, I yeah. was Frosty the snowman and the one 
the musical <laughs> thing we did. And uh, you yeah. know, I, I, I played a few roles and uh, I was really into public speaking in, in grade school. And I went to provincial finals. I got uh, second runner up in provincial finals for a speech on my dog at the time which was pretty funny. Uh, <laughs> That's great. I got into high school and uh, I took drama all the way through high school. And a person that was like, you know, I was like played hockey and was, you know, captain of the rugby team and, and loved drama. You know I mean, it was a bit right. of a weird mix, but uh, I was Seymour in little shop of horrors. Uh, you know, I, I, I did community theater outside of there. I did improv Olympics. Um, I did workshops, you know, like anything I could get my hands on that, that way. And me and my buddies, used to, you know, make our own movies and, and do all kinds of stuff that way. So it's like, it's something that I've always loved and television shows and, and acting and stuff like that is something that's always appealed to me. Um, and I think a lot of that stuff helped me, you know, especially the improv stuff. Like that's, that's a big part of what wrestling is. So, um, it's, a it, it was just something I was drawn to in wrestling, right. uh, mixed both of my loves, you know, it's, it's literally both of those things are what wrestling is. Where did that, that, that side come? I mean, you mentioned your mom was in, into folk art. Was that the, kind of that creative side come from her? I imagine. Yeah, I don't, to be honest, I don't really know. Like both of my, my parents were, were terrified of public speaking. Um, mm. They're both very social people um, were, you know, like my dad is like any, anytime, any setting, he's the life of the party and in the middle of it and people want to be around him and, and yeah. uh, having people get together and wants everyone to have a good time. But like, none of them were really into any of that. Like, I mean, literally just, I got the wrestling bug when I was a kid and, and just kind of bit me along the way and loved, you know, tell movies and loved characters and stories. And, and it just, I don't know, just something about it. I mean, I just couldn't look away from it and, and just loved it. And the fact that it, it combined my other love was, which was athletics. You mean like, right. it's not a competition, but what we're doing is, is very athlete athletic based, you know, it's sure you have to be an athlete to be able to do it. Um, so what was your first public speech? Was it the dog speech or what, like, what, do you remember the first time you were in front of a crowd? Yeah. I mean, it probably was four, fourth grade, third or fourth grade. Like you do um, speeches. Everyone has to write a speech and then get up in front of the class and do it. That's how it worked in Canada. Right. So I, I want to yeah. say it's fourth grade. Uh, I can't remember what my first one was on. Um, I always kind of lean towards being funny. Um, yeah, sure. So, so I, you mean like when I, when I went to the provincial finals, like there's, you know, a kid in the seventh grade and he's up there talking about the ozone layer and like, and I'm like, Oh geez, I got like <laughs> jeans and with rips in the knees. And like my family didn't have a lot of money and, and like they're in like button up shirts and dress shoes. And I'm like wearing ripped jeans and a maple leaf t-shirt. And I'm like, Oh, my dog yeah. bandit loves to catch the Frisbee and like cracking <laughs> jokes about when he pooped on the floor and I had to clean it right. up and it made me sick. And, you know, like it was just completely different, but I think like, uh, I was drawn to that, you know, like uh, yeah. making people laugh. And I think that was like the first time I realized like being entertaining was part of, of something that I really enjoyed. Have you done improv like this, the, you know, the yes and kind of. Oh yeah. Yeah. All through improv. high school. I, I mean, there's times where I think like, man, I, I should join. Like it would be just such a fun exercise and it's right. really fun to do. I took some, uh, some acting lessons and stuff here in town. And obviously improv is a big thing of, 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 of being an actor and, and, you know, some guys will, will 
you know, lines. And you know, I know Vince Vaughn is a guy that, that just kind of improvs, you know, he doesn't, yeah. he, he gets a feel for what they want him to say. And then he just starts doing it on his own. Um, you know, and everyone's got a different way of doing it, but yeah, I, I love the art of improv and thinking on your feet and, and uh, becoming a character or, you know, you know, the freeze and then you come in and you take a person's spot and you go in a completely other direction. <laughs> right. This is all right. stuff from, from high school and improv Olympics and the team from my high school, we did very well and went, went pretty far in that. And, uh, yeah. It's, it's such a fun thing. It could be just hilarious. You know, if, if you get the right group of people and um, what's, what's your line or what's the show from Canada? Like, I can't remember it now. Whose line, yeah, is, who's line, who's line well, is I, anyone? I, mean, yeah, I was yeah, obsessed yeah. with it. I loved it. I loved yeah. it. And uh, I mean, anyone that's seen it knows it it can be very very funny so it's uh, yeah you know, it something that I, I just love to do and, and imp- improv is a massive skill in, in what i ended up making a career out of right so i'm curious how much how much when you're you know working a crowd or you're interacting with other wrestlers is that scripted or is that i don't know if, how much you can give away the s- secrets but like is that scripted yeah. or is that all improv or how, how does that work yeah so often like you know the script uh, it, it's not like you do this and then go over to here and then this guy will do that. It's just kind of like, okay, so, you know, like say I was wrestling you and we got there Monday afternoon and said, okay, Craig, you're wrestling Eric tonight. Mm -hmm. It's 12 minutes from start to finish. Um, Craig's going to win with his finishing move, whatever that is. Let's just say it's the head claw for you. That sounds like a good one. Yeah, that's my move. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, the Ann Arbor head claw. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, and then we get together and kind of figure out in, in that time, uh, you know, we, we say, you know, maybe we we lock up and, you know, I'm bigger than you. So I push you back into the ropes and, and you know, yeah. if, they, if the people react, we'll do that a couple of times and then you'll do this. And on television, there's a lot more stuff that's going on. You know, like the reality is, is the announcers kind of need to be in on what's going on the TV truck needs to be know what's going on. Um, the two guys need to be going on in the middle of the match. You may have to dip out a, on a commercial break. So you right. know, it's a television show. So like you can't just be doing something when they go to a commercial, like there has to be some kind of a cliffhanger or, you know, or whatever. Right. And I'm not wearing a watch or a headpiece. Like I, I've got to be able to, to time that out in my head. And, and the only way to do that is with experience. So it's like, um, as far as scripted, like we know, you know, what the finish is going to be, what the end of the match is going to be or the end of the segment. But I mean, a lot of times you can think, oh, we'll do this and people will really like it. And then you start doing it and realize like they're not into it at all. Yeah. I mean, if you're good at it, then you can switch on the fly and say, okay, that's not working. Let's do this. And like most of the guys in the WWE are are at the top level. I mean, and everyone can do it. I'm not going to say everyone can do it, but I mean, the majority of guys can, um, so that that becomes a massive skill of being able to, to change on the fly while fourteen thousand people are staring at you. So and right. I can't just talk to the guy. You mean like I there, there's <laughs> you know secret ways of relaying messages and the referee is very involved in that of, of talking back and forth and telling people you know what's coming next and okay oh, hey, he he says with a change of plan we're doing this now and so on and so forth. But it's uh, a lot of it is done just as you're going. You know. Um, and it's very dangerous. You can't really practice the physical stuff of it. So right. you know, all of that is is timing based and training based, and it's a uh, it, it's a lot to know. And I feel like the more people know, the more they respect it. Is the honest truth? Yeah. Right. Right. I mean, we were talking earlier. You you mentioned just the difference between seeing it on TV and live. And yeah. you think that comes comes across better if you're sitting watching it. 
Hundred percent, yeah, hundred yeah. percent. And I feel you know because like for so long wrestling has been a thing where people we've been trying to convince people, oh, it's real, it's real, it's real. It's like, I mean, they don't before Star Wars. You know, George Lucas doesn't come on and be like, hey, just so you know, like we we shot this over the course of six months, and none of these people, these are not not the real names. They're not really from space. <laughs> right, Yoda's right. not real. He's actually computer generated. You know, like they don't do any of that before a movie because you want to be you want to be suspended in, in belief. Yeah. You know I mean like you, you want to get lost in that world, right? hundred percent. And I, and I don't know why people can't accept that wrestling is the same because it is, it is the same thing. Uh, but we're not, we're doing it live. You know, like we're, we're, if I mess up a line or I mess up a move, like I don't get to say, okay, stop, let's go back, go back to the starting positions and let's try that one again. <laughs> right. It, it, we're just, you know, it's onward and upward. So it's, uh, it doing it live. I feel like on TV, people can still feel it's a trick. Right. I mean, if you if you've never gone to a wrestling show, the energy uh, from a live crowd, like you could be sick as a dog, and then your music hits, and you walk through, and like you feel nothing. Like I, I got yeah. five stitches in my face. I'm bleeding all over the place. It didn't hurt me at all. Like I, I didn't even feel it. Like I knew that something happened. I knew that uh, I was bleeding because I could feel it bleeding onto mm-hmm. my face but like it, the adrenaline of being in front of a live crowd or stuff like that it's it's uh the 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 energy in a, in a pro wrestling crowd is is unbelievable and my advice to, to you or to anybody that listens to this podcast like if, if any wrestling comes near you just get just get a cheap ticket and go yeah i promise you if you're disappointed and you weren't entertained you can dm me on twitter and i will refund you the money that's a great I, I, offer. I believe in it that much. I mean, yeah. if you can go, yeah. if you go to the building, open-minded and just accept it for what it is, it is, uh, you know, a very, it's an art form. I mean, it, it's a, there is an art to what is happening. If you can just go, go open-minded and, and, and enjoy what's happening live, you will, be, you, you might not become a diehard fan and watch 20 hours of a leak like some of these guys, but you will like it and you will respect it in a completely different way. So you're an athlete, you're a competitor, you talk about the adrenaline rush, you have your fans, I would be like, I would be so tempted to be like, you know, I know I'm supposed to lose this, but maybe, maybe, maybe I'll flip yeah, the script. Oh, yeah, like, you sure. know what you mean? Like, yeah, no, that no, would it, be hard for me. It can happen, you know, like that kind of stuff gets weeded out. And, and I mean... That's true. You lose your job. I guess <laughs> you'd lose your job. I like to right. pay my bills on time. Um, yeah. I, I like the level of success I've made it to. And and part yeah. of that is being a professional. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, right. Like, listen, I mean, in all walks of life, some guys can get, you know, uh, and can get carried away and start believing their own thing. Like, you know, like I, I'm playing a character on television. Like I'm not in a real fight. Like me losing, right. I'm not losing anything. You know I mean, and, and me winning, I'm not winning anything. I, I, I was told that I can do that. Uh, Winning a belt, like I, I've I've won, I don't know, like I, it's again with the humble brag. I don't know how many I've won over my time, my lifetime, yeah. but but it's hundreds. You know, uh, the reality is 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 that's an amazing feeling that you know, especially in the WWE, I, I held the NXT Tag Team Titles, uh, in TNA Wrestling, I held the World Title. That's the, that's that company, that million dollar or billion dollar company, saying we like what you're doing and we trust you. Mm-hmm. Like right. there's, there's no bigger compliment in wrestling than, than being a champion or being considered a guy that can carry the load. Um, but in no way, shape or form did I beat anyone. <laughs> right. Right. I didn't, I didn't, you know, I, I've done a bunch of things right. And, and my skills are, are at the top level because I'm being recognized by a company that has 
millions of dollars on the line that I'm someone that's interesting enough to be in that position of power. But mm. winning and losing, like, I mean, if not everybody loves it like I do, uh, as political as I do, but I mean, the reality is, is I'm an employee and uh, I'm going to do whatever they feel is right and do it to the best of my ability. Winning and losing hasn't really bothered me ever. Um, and, and I don't think it ever will. Like, uh, winning is great. Winning is amazing, but losing right. it when you're a bad guy uh, can be very cool too. You know, like when you're the bad guy and the, the good guy wins and there's this massive eruption, you did that. You created that. You manipulated, you know, for lack of a better word, you manipulated a crowd to be so excited. They lose control and stand up and yell and clap because they wanted you to get beat so bad. And then you do yeah. and they love it. Like I'm just as much a part of that as the guy winning, if That's not awesome. more. So, you yeah. know, it's the, 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 that's a drug. Like the first time I felt that was like 1998, the very first time I wrestled in front of a live crowd. And I lost that match to my, one of my mm. good friends in Benton Harbor, Michigan. And, uh, it was my first pro match and I lost, but the people went nuts. And I was like, oh man, I got to do this every day. Like every single day I need that. So I, I saw that Benton Harbor match. I want to hear like, what is it like? You know, I, I see, you know, the, the finished product or what you're doing now at, at the highest yeah. levels. What's it like in Benton Harbor in 1990, whatever it would have been, eight or whatever? Like, what yeah. was that scene like? At the time, it's it's unbelievable. I mean, like mm. it's I, I trained and and now I'm on the show. Like I'm, I, I'm, I'm I can call my parents and say, I'm a professional wrestler. They're going yeah. to they're going to pay me not a lot. After I buy my, you know, very expensive spandex pants and my boots and drive from Cambridge, Ontario to Benton Harbor, Michigan and eat and then get home, uh, I'm going to probably lose money, but they're going to pay me for my service. And I can say that my first goal in wrestling was to say, I'm a professional wrestler. You know, I checked that off and I I remember it was a a pretty good show. I want to say there was 1200 people or so in the crowd and it was, it was put on by Dan Severin. Uh, he's lived, I think he still lives in Coldwater, Michigan. Um, okay. he, uh, had a, he was doing a joint show, a wrestling and a tough guy competition. So I, me and my friend from Canada was the first match and it was pro wrestling. And then the next match was like two guys come out of the crowd and put boxing gloves on and try to kill each other. So that was the very first wrestling show I was ever on was, was that. And, and I believe hmm. it was the Bobo Brazil arena in Benton Harbor, Michigan, um, Michigan has very lax uh, athletic commission rules, so you could do that kind of thing. And I mean, I remember being feeling like, man, this seems so outlaw. Like it's just wild. What a world! Right, you know? right. What a crazy world I'm living in. These. I just got done doing this pretend fight with my buddy, right. and we're diving out of the ring, and he's doing a front flip and a half and landing on me, and all this other stuff, and all these theatrics, and then these. You know, one guy that works at the bar down the street and a truck driver put boxing gloves on and they're trying to cave each other's heads in, which is hilarious. Because <laughs> if you've ever seen two guys that don't know how to fight get into a fight, like it's it's over pretty quick. They both were pretty winded within about 45 seconds. So, right. but it was, I mean, that's, I mean, I can remember it. Viv- I can't remember the match I did two weeks ago on TV in front of millions of people, but I can remember that match very, very vividly. Um, yeah. But it's, I mean, there's a very seedy underbelly to wrestling, just like anything in entertainment. Um, but all the hard work is done then, you know? And I mean, to be honest, like some of my fondest professional memories is when I was making nothing, you know, like yeah. that's, I would, I would, if I could go in a time machine back to that point in my life, I would do it all over again because it was amazing. What would you tell that kid that's stepping into the ring or afterwards? 
you're you're doing it. You know, you're you're in the going in the right direction, which is, you know, it, you're 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 so blind because, like I said, I didn't have a, a blueprint. You know, so like I, I, this is like the internet existed, but it, what not like it does today. So like I'm like typing into web uh, web crawler. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> like pro wrestling schools, and I'm like, right. There's these sites, but they're they're on. You know, no one has updated it in three years, and like. No yeah. one answers the emails and they have like a, a physical address. So I'm sending literally handwriting letters saying, I want to come to your school, please like get back to me and, you know, and then like deciding on what school I was going to go to and then going to that school and becoming a student and learning the proper ways to do it and then getting on my first show. And then like, it's networking, you know, that you meet this guy and then, you know, Oh, this guy knows this guy. And you call him and be like back then, like there now it's like promotions are online and you can watch matches live on through Twitter and Skype and all this other stuff. Like back then, like it was like, I'd call a guy and, and I lived in Cambridge at the time and he lived in New Brunswick and like, Oh yeah, I'm having a show on, January 20th. Why don't you come down? Okay. So I just get in my car and drive 18 hours. Never met this guy. No idea if there is a show. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if he's going to pay me. I don't know who I'm going to wrestle. I don't know anything about it, but I get in my car and start heading that way. I've got 40 atlases in the back and uh, like, cause I mean, GPS didn't exist. So, you know, the finding these shows sometimes was the, the funnest adventure of all. So yeah, it's uh. but if I could go back in time, I could say like, I mean, I can honestly say like, I feel like I did it the right way and, and it took me longer than some and, but my journey has been so cool and I've experienced so much amazing stuff. Um, living in a hotel in, in Moncton with eight guys and like just madness, but I, I loved it. Like I loved it. Right. And if I could go back in time, I could just say like, just maybe drink it in a little bit more because when it's happening, it's just happening so fast, you know? And, uh, yeah. It, yeah I, and you're I thinking about what's next, my, right? Like I think about like my, me well, at yeah, that age, it's I, like, I, I gotta get, what's, what's the next thing? You're not, you're not enjoying it. I mean, you may be having fun, but you're not sitting there going, ah, this is, this is it. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. That's it. And I can look back now and, and enjoy it a lot. And, but I've probably like the reality is it's like wrestling fans are like, they remember everything and like, mm-hmm. uh, they'll send me a clip. Oh, remember when you, when you won the tag belts with so-and-so and it was in the, you know, the, the expo center in Greenville, South Carolina. It's like, dude, I don't remember what I did last week. Like, I don't, <laughs> I, 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 you know, I, I don't have a great memory for that stuff, but, but obviously, you know, social media, we talked about, like, I can relive those things sometimes, you know, mm-hmm. like the, these people are historians, some of them, and they remember everything and I can go back and look at the clip and, and see it. But yeah, I mean, if I could go back in time, I could say you're doing it. And in my opinion, you're doing it right. It, even though it took me long and, I was broke and, you know, I probably missed a lot of other opportunities in my life because my sole purpose at that point was wrestling. Like the job I had, everything I did was designed for me to make it to TV or make it onto television. So were your folks all right with this? Like, was there a conversation you had to have with your mom and dad that said, Hey, I'm going to wrestling school. And I'm, you know, that, that is a different path. hundred percent. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, obviously yeah. a conversation I had and, but both of them, I mean, couldn't have been more supportive. And the, the big thing was, is my, my mom and dad, both, they were separated when I was younger, but we're both, um, in my life, you know, on, on a weekly basis. Uh, and I, I said, this is what I want to do. And they're like, well, if it's what you want to do, then do it, but yeah. don't do it halfway, you know? And, mm. and I didn't, and I, I always held that with me. If my mom was a, a school teacher, 
and she liked it um, and then the stability from that. And then she, I told her she, she opened her own folk art business and her and another teacher quit their jobs and started this business from scratch. And at one point at its height, she had 30 people working underneath her and w- was, was doing these shows all over, all over North America and hmm. was making pretty good money. And this is a woman that a single mother of two children and built this business from nothing, you know, like had no business acumen was just a hard worker and smart and, that's what she did and and kind of like i mean it is two different things but she just said this is what i'm gonna do and she did it and, and i i think i get that from her and you know the kind of like wildness from my dad like my dad's a he definitely uh walks to the beat of a different drum is is a, a very uh interesting person um but i've learned a lot from him about life and he just said like if you're gonna do it then then do it do it all the way don't right. go halfway you know just do whatever whatever you do love it and do it all the way. And that's, and that's what I did. So I was very lucky. I mean, I think they did kind of look at me funny, you know, a little bit, <laughs> first said, but, um, I never went to school. Obviously my mom tried to push me towards that, uh, yeah. getting an education first, but I just, I hated school, man. Like I, I just didn't, I wasn't good at it. I, I didn't like being told what to do. And, and I didn't know who I was. Like I only thing I knew I wanted and loved was wrestling. So I said, well, I can, I can do, I can go back to school. If I break my neck and I'm 35, I can go to school in a wheelchair. I, I you mm-hmm. know, when I, I can't go into wrestling when I'm 28 and o- overweight. So you know, right, right out of high school, two weeks later, I was at a wrestling school and the rest is history. What's the first thing they teach you at wrestling school? Uh, first, the, the wrestling school I went to, the first thing is you don't even, you're not even allowed to get in the ring. You just stand around the ring on the outside and they teach you how to like lock up and, and, uh, arm bars and, and different techniques like that. That's called chain wrestling. So they teach you how to, to, to do that things. Um, I ran a wrestling school for four or five years. And the first thing I taught guys was how to take falls because there's no sense mm-hmm. of teaching them how to lock up and, and, and all that stuff. If they can't take the physical abuse. Like that's, that's yeah. just, and, and it like the reality is, is not everybody can do it. Like you may be a great athlete. You know, I've trained professional bodybuilders. I've trained guys that play in the NFL. I, I've trained, you know, uh, pro pro hockey players. I, you know, I've, I've trained a bunch of different people to try it, you know, and, and a lot of them, it's, it's a very select few that can do it. It's a, it's a very difficult thing to learn, especially like, you know, trying to teach a, a football player to, to willingly let himself fall on his back. I mean, like that's right. You're going against 20 years of training, you know, his whole life, right. Him being knocked on his back means he lost, right. Whatever it was he was doing, he lost. Well, in wrestling, like you have to learn how to, to allow that to happen. And if you fight against it, that's when you get hurt. So, but yeah, the first thing I learned was locking up and I can remember like the feeling of the first time being able to like step inside a real ring and like hit the ropes and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Like, oof, man, like it was this school and we were allowed to get in the ring at 6 PM. And then we had to get out of this ring at 11 PM. Cause it was next to these apartment buildings and it's very loud. A wrestling ring is very loud. So at 6 PM I would roll in and at 11 PM they'd have to come in and say like, Oh, okay. You got to get out like every day, like six days yeah. a week. Like you, I couldn't get enough. That's, that's awesome. Um, you mentioned the CD underbelly of wrestling. What's that look like? Uh, it's the world it's gross. Yeah, it's gross. And I mean, yeah. in, in all, in all entertainment, like being in a band, you know, like being in a band right. and traveling, traveling around with four guys in a minivan with all your equipment and you know, this bar is going to pay you 40 bucks and you're going to split that, you know, amongst each other. Like wrestling is very similar to that. Like you're driving, like I said, like it wouldn't be weird for me on a weekend, you know, Friday, get off work. And you know, I think I can make it to Waterloo on time, you know, so I race over in my car and I don't know where the thing is. I get there, 
okay, you're wrestling this guy, put a match together and then hoping that the promoter doesn't take off and he stays and pays you because you wouldn't get paid before you worked, you know, like, and then he'd, he'd hand you, you know, 40, 40 in, in an envelope, 40 loonies, which is pretty heavy. Uh, yeah. You know, <laughs> it is. so you can make your 40 bucks and, you know, wake up Saturday morning and uh, now I'm in Fort Wayne, Indiana. I have to drive down and cross border and take the highway. And, you know, I don't know where I'm going. I'm looking, I got an Atlas opened up in the passenger seat, trying to figure out where the hell I'm at. And, you know, I get there and the guy I'm wrestling, like I, I you know, I could tell within 20 or 30 words if he knew what he was doing, you know, and sometimes mm-hmm. you would be in the ring with a guy that was not trained properly or trained at all. Uh, and it's dangerous. Uh, you yeah. know, but you needed to figure out how to make that into something so they would ask you to come back. So that's how you built your re- your name and reputation. And a lot of it by then was by word. And you would get on a show and a guy would see you and would be impressed. And then he would tell a promoter that he knew. Uh, and then it would just snowball from there. So it, yeah. it's, uh, but yeah, it's a, it, it's a wild, wild ride. And I mean, in all forms of entertainment you know, even in hockey, you mean like you hear about those, the Quebec leagues where like, you know, the spotlights go out and two guys come to center and punch each other's head. Those guys are making, you know, those guys are making $75 a game, like right. getting their heads right. knocked in. So there, there's under underbelly to it. But, um, but it, I mean, it is, it can be a very cool world, but can be, I mean, like there's definitely times when like you drive to Montreal and the guy takes off and you don't get paid and Mm. it's uh it can it, it's 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 very very different with social media and stuff now it, it it's weaning itself out like it's harder for for guys to be sustainable and be around doing that stuff but it's i mean like i mean i've wrestled in front of six people before like it's that's not fun you know no, driving no. driving four hours and wrestling in front of six people and you're in a barn and they're burning old pallets and you're trying to stay warm putting on your spandex pants and it can be a very very unglamorous that's for sure especially that <laughs> Right. So one of the things I find fast, and maybe this is like the writer in me or the, you know, that's kind of a, just a, attracted to a narrative arc is, is kind of the macro career management when you're forming like your story. Right. Uh-huh. And, and from, from where I can tell you, you've had like different iterations of yourself for, you know, as like the, you know, the team Canada to whatever it is, right. The, yeah. you know, the, the guy from the South or where does that come from? Is that something that you, you kind of conceptually say, Hey, I'm going to be, someone who's like scared of everything now, you know what I mean? Like, where does that all come from? Yeah, I feel, um, for me, I think my number one skill is that is, is versatility. And I think that comes from a want for me. Cause I, I love all things about wrestling. Like, right. I don't love just the guys that do cool stuff. Or I, 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 I love the comedy side of it. Like I love right. you know, being the bad guy. I love being the good guy. I love being the underdog. I love being the psychopath. I love, you know I mean, <laughs> I, I liked all these different characters, you know what I mean? So I wanted a chance to, to try to do them all. And I mean, I feel like yeah. there's very few people and I mean, I, it is tooting my own horn, but I, I've done all of it, you know, like over my, you know, 16 plus television career. Uh, I've, I've been the scared guy. I've been the underdog. I, you know, I, I've been the, the mean bully guy. I've been, you know, I've wrestled women. I've, I've, uh, you know, been in tag teams. I've been uh, the cruiserweight champ. I've done, been the world heavyweight champion. I've, you know, I, uh, I've been the first match on the show. I've been the last match on the show. Um, been the comedy relief on the show. So yeah, it's, uh, I want to experience it all. And all of it is different. I mean, like, uh, it's, it's all done through a different lens. And I, and I think my number one skill 
pro wrestling wise is my ability to be these different things. Um, I'm not just one thing. I'm a bunch of different things. I may not be the best at any one of them. Like, you know what I mean? I'm not some elite athlete. I'm not, uh, you know, some, some crazy actor. I'm not, you know, whatever I I'm, but I'm, I feel like I'm, I'm proven that I'm very good at all of it. And, and it's, I've, I've been able to see the whole wrestling business through every lens imaginable in my opinion. And, uh, and then I think like, oh, okay, I've done it all. And then something else happens. I'm like, oh, geez, now I'm doing this. This is crazy. Yeah. Because, I mean, the reality is it is entertainment and it's pro wrestling is a, is just a huge wide open landscape. And like there's nothing that's out of bounds. So is does this – is it – do you just come up with it? Do you – is it your idea where you're like, hey, I, I now want to do this. <laughs> like I, w- I want to take a heel turn now and, and, and be a completely different – or do they come to you and say, hey, look, we think there's an opening here? Or what does that look yeah, like? Yeah, I, I think it's 50-50. Um, yeah. You have to earn, you have to earn that, the ability to go to them and say, um, I don't know if I, I'm to that point yet in the WWE. I, I feel like when I speak, they're, they're not in full belief yet that I, I mm-hmm. can do it. You know what I mean? But, but I have the history. I can show them. You mean that I, oh, I did this and I did that. So, uh, I feel it, it is a very collaborative effort as well. Like they'll say, Hey, what do you think about this? And then like, I put my twist on it and then they tw- put their twist and it's this push and pull. And, you know, like very early on, it's just like, okay, you're in team Canada. Okay, great. I'm, I'm in team right. Canada. Yeah. And right. then it was like, Hey, we got this thing where, where we, you're weird. It was like the basis mm-hmm. of the story. And I just took it and blew it up where I was afraid of everything. Like the pyro <laughs> would go off and I'd fall down and hold my heart. And right. I, wouldn't, I refused to lock up with guys. Cause I said like, look, if my character is afraid of everything, I don't want to fight you. Like, I don't even want to be in this match. I'm terrified. So right. that's, that's hard to do in a pro wrestling world. So navigating that and trying to explain that to the guy that wants to just lock up and do a bunch of wrestling stuff. And I'm like, well, like I'm, that's not what my character does. Like mm-hmm. I can't be afraid backstage and talking about how I'm terrified and then the bell rings and i start throwing you over the top rope and taking it to you because that's that's to me is that's that doesn't build the character i'm not i'm not making a character believable so uh in any way i mean obviously it's way turned up like i'm a grown man with fate of pyro and you know (laughs) this that and the other but that's what wrestling is you know it's just like these huge over-the-top characters and and uh but yeah, it's, I mean, it's a collaborative effort and, and it's, it's, I, it's, to me, it's one of my favorite processes of, of, of trying to deepen a character or make it more interesting or vice versa is making it turn, you know, like I was a good guy for so long for, you know, 10, 11 years, uh, was one of the, you know, a fan favorite everywhere I went. And then I pitched this idea where I'm going to turn on my best friend and we've got all this history. We were in team Canada together and I'm going to become this raving lunatic. And like, my goal is I don't even care about winning and losing. I just want to hurt people because I think everyone's out to get me. Right. Uh, so, and, and I mean, a lot of people are like, Oh man, I don't know. I don't know. And they let me do it because they trusted me enough and I did it. You know, there was a, definitely a point where in TNA wrestling, I was one of the top villains. Like I'm, I'm wrestling Kurt Angle, a Olympic gold medalist. And I beat up this buddy that he's got at ringside. That was a, a war, uh, Gulf war veteran. And I knock him out and take his prosthetic leg. And I ch- choke Kurt angle with it. Like, I'm like, man, I mean, a 15 year old me, 
could look forward in time and say, you're going to be on TV choking Kurt Angle with a prosthetic <laughs> leg that you stole from a war veteran. Like that's not right. going to be possible. And I did it, you know, like I did it. And that's such right. a far fetched thing from like the other character I was telling you about, like where it's like, I'm afraid of the pyro and I'm afraid of being around guys. I'm, I'm afraid of the referee. I'm afraid of everything. Um, so yeah, I mean, those are, it, it doesn't get much farther on the spectrum than those two things. And but yeah. the, the process of that is, is my favorite part of wrestling. So, so to wrap up, gosh, the hour flew by, but you, you seem like somebody who's always trying something new, right? Like you, you get into the animal planet, you're hosting fishing shows, you're doing, you know, whatever. Now you're working with, with us and you're doing the fantasy podcast. Is that just, or do you just have that personality where it's like, I just want to try new things constantly? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Since I was a kid, everything is just yeah. about experience for me and I want to experience all of it, you know, and yeah. um, failing at something, it, it doesn't bother me, but not trying to do something would bother me. And I think that's, uh, was maybe that's like, a valuable maybe, skill, by the way, that took me is. a while. Like I used to, the, if I could fail at something, I wouldn't do it. It took me a long time to get over that. Yeah, me too. And I think, I mean, it's human nature. Like you don't, you don't want to feel like you failed, but the reality is, is like, if you don't try, then you're, you're failing before you even give it an right. effort. You know what I mean? Like that's not wanting to do something and not doing it is failing. So mm -hmm. don't, don't like it, but it took me a long time to do that too. You know, like, uh, getting outside of my bubble and wrestling outside of Ontario and, you know, sending, even sending tapes to the WWE and, and trying to get tryouts and stuff like that. The reality is, is I probably could have done it long before I started doing it. Uh, you know, I was a top guy in Ontario, like, you know, it was in the main event or, you know, in an important match everywhere I went and was highly revered and talked about in wrestling magazines, but I wasn't even trying to, to make it to the WWE. You know, I mean, I wasn't, right. I was in my head, but I wasn't actively putting myself out to them because I was afraid that they would say, we're not interested or yeah. whatever. Yeah. The thing you want the most, you're, you're scared to even try sometimes, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, but once I started doing it, I realized like, I mean, even when they say no, like the WWE said no to me several times. Yeah, well, mm -hmm. here I am. You mean like it took me until I was 35 to, to make it to my, my end goal. But my journey was so cool. I wouldn't trade it for anything. Like working for the other company w w was a cool thing. I've wrestled all over the world uh, and been paid to do it. Like I've, like I said, I've seen the lens of pro wrestling through, through every possible angle. Um, and if I didn't, if I wasn't told no by them, then maybe I wouldn't have experienced any of those things. But yeah, I, I, I want to experience everything. Like the fishing show was such an amazing thing. And I mean, it, complete transparency. Like I don't, I hadn't probably had a fishing rod in my hand in 18 years. They didn't even ask me if I knew how to swim. Like, I mean, <laughs> four weeks, four weeks later, I'm doing deep sea breath hold spear fishing and all this other crazy stuff catching from, from a paddle board. And like, I had never even seen a shark in person before, except for an aquarium. So, mm -hmm. you know, and now I'm grabbing them by my hand and pulling them up on my paddle board with me. And I, it, I mean, it was such a cool thing. Um, to, to do that and and the experiences and that opened up a bunch of other doors i did a, a show with science channel um did a, a show with travel channel that we, we shot the pilot episode that and then it got bought by discovery so that is a, it's a television show that we we did and it will never be seen by anyone which is it's a wild television is a wild world um but, but wild. i got to experience that um Right now, I'm, I'm in discussions with the NHL and the NHL Network about doing a show. Um, me and you have talked about a couple ideas of yeah. doing some stuff with the athletic. I mean, like I want to experience it all. And with pro wrestling, I'll say the truth is, is it, it, you know, the secret started to get out. Like, look at you know, like Dwayne Johnson, The Rock. Like, he, he's the biggest star in the world. Yeah. Like, not just 
biggest ex-pro wrestler. Like he's the number one box office draw in the entire world. He came from wrestling. And if you ask him, he'll tell you he learned his toolbox is similar to mine. I mean, obviously he's taller and way better looking and cooler and, and just better at everything. That I am, but right. I have the same toolbox as him, and a lot of wrestlers do. And like the reality is, is like I just I refuse to be outworked, uh, and and uh, I I love to experience as much as possible. And I will just I very I won't say no to anything. Like it's just right. I, I want to do it all. That's awesome. All right, last question, and this is something I've always wondered: what is what do the wrestling community what are, what does that world think of Andy Kaufman and and everything? Like I'm fascinated by Andy Kaufman. Yeah, I mean, so that's 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 a long time ago, right? That's uh, yeah. uh, Yeah. I I can I have very very few memories of it when it first happened. But being like I I I consume wrestling like I consume hockey now, and have consumed hockey for most of my life. So I know you know I know about the history of it. Obviously, it's a um, in in the Andy Kaufman moving. Jim Carrey played Andy Kaufman. Um, I think at the time it was it was a huge win for wrestling because it put it put a ton of eyes on it that wouldn't typically look at it, you know? Right. Um, right. And I, and I feel like anytime a wrestler can do anything that will draw eyes to it, it's good for wrestling. Obviously right. now it's, it's this, you know, multi-billion dollar company worldwide, but back then wrestling was regional, you know, and, and Jerry, the King Lawler had a very successful thing going in memphis tennessee uh, but it was regional it was it was on the air there and you couldn't see it anywhere else jerry mm-hmm. lawler was a massive star in the city of memphis tennessee but if you went to seattle washington nobody even knows who jerry nobody lawler is he he, right. right yeah so it was a very regional thing and having andy kaufman you know a a, a very big star at the time um in film and in 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 television um it, it drew people and he he loved wrestling, which is very interesting to me. Um, he understood it, what it was to be the bad guy. He liked being the bad guy. Um, well, it's and, all the uh, stuff we talked about. We're talking about yeah. improv and and just 100%. you know being interesting and creating a character. I mean, that's that's what Andy Kaufman did. That's who he was, right? Like he that's was a character was. even when he wasn't a character. Like right. he, you hear all this stuff about he would kind of be in character all the time. And with wrestling, it's just like. That was best, especially back then. That was welcome. Like if he was going to be Andy Kaufman, the woman hater, or whatever, right, he right. was that outside of the ring as well. And a lot of the successful wrestlers back then were guys that could suspend belief. Like if you believed he was that person twenty four hours a day, then that's what made people go and watch. Like people mm. wanted Jerry Lawler to kill Andy Kaufman. They wanted him <laughs> right. dead. Right. Like that level of mania can't be created anymore because of, you know, I mean, I think just people have a much easier access to knowledge. But back then, yeah. people believed that Andy Kaufman, what he was saying and doing, and it was because he was so good at it and he did it 24 hours a day. He, you know, he was that version of Andy Kaufman in that time period. You know, if you ran into him at the airport, he was Andy Kaufman, the woman hater. I'm right, the toughest right. guy in the in the building, kind of thing. He's a <laughs> right. skinny nerd, you know. And, and he made people hate him. He and he loved it. He absolutely loved it. So it would have been a very cool thing to experience um, live. To being uh, yeah. being in that crowd, I bet you you could interview people and could just, I mean, they would just smile from ear to ear, remembering the energy of when him and Lawler, quote unquote, fought. Yeah. Well, if you want to do an oral history. 
I think that'd be a good athletic project. That would be amazing. Yeah, it would be awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Eric, thanks for doing this. It was, <laughs> I just oh, got to indulge you. myself with a million questions I've always wanted to know. So that was great. No, it's very cool, man. It's wrestling is obviously a massive part of my life. Hockey is a massive part of my life. And the athletic is, is now an, a massive part of my life. And I, I love all of it, man. It's, it's been a very cool ride. Well, thanks for being a part of it. And, and thanks for, for your generosity again, plugging everything. And I'm looking forward to seeing what comes, what happens next. I think you've got a lot of great ideas and it's, it's fun to, it's fun to explore these things. Very cool, man. I appreciate it. I want to thank Eric again for joining the podcast. Such a fun conversation. Um, again, one of those that could have just kept on going. It was, it was, it was a lot of fun. He was a good sport. Answered. Uh, you, I know you never know, right? Like is is uh, some of this stuff top secret? When we started talking about the behind the scenes stuff in wrestling, and it was so cool to have somebody just lift the veil uh, on that world and share it with us. So, Eric, thank you so much for joining the podcast. I would encourage you to check out his podcast. With Chris Meany, four stack lines. You can get it on the Athletic app or at Apple Podcasts. Definitely worth checking it out and definitely worth checking out anything Eric writes for us in regards to fantasy hockey. Um, great stuff. And watch him on Monday Night Raw on USA Network. So thanks, Eric, for doing that. And one last request. I would love it if a couple of you could go to Apple Podcasts. Leave, especially if you like this podcast, leave a review. Um, I, it helps us out, helps promote this podcast, helps spread the word and grow the audience, which allows me to keep doing it. So if you have a second and you haven't left a review, I would really appreciate it. All right, that's it. Eric, thanks again. And thank you for listening. Have a great week. <laughs>